0: Good morning and stand with me as we honor the reading of the wonderful word. Today we're looking in the book of Genesis, chapter number eighteen. Just going to begin with one small verse to get us started this morning. Genesis chapter number eighteen. Reading verse number fourteen. Genesis chapter number eighteen. Reading verse number fourteen. God is speaking here and He says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. God, speaking to Abraham and asking him, Is anything too hard for God? And He tells him, At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son a son. Using for a subject this morning, the God who can. The God who can. Father, I thank you today that you are able to see abundantly above all that we would ever ask or all that we could ever think. God, there are people here today that need you to work in their heart and in their life. And God, I pray that you will show up at the end of this service today and do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. Father, we ask these things in the wonderful and mighty and powerful and glorious name. Of Jesus Christ. All of God's people said praise the Lord. Lord. Oh you may be seated this morning. Friend God is a God who can. The word can't is not even in his vocabulary. God can and will work in our lives if we will allow him to and if we will cry out to him. Maybe there's an area in your life today that you have... Absolutely given up on. You have struggled for so long in this particular area that that you have or nearly have given up. Nothing is going to change for me in this area. You have began to think, so I guess I might as well give up. I've got a word for somebody here today, and the word is don't give up. The word is this morning, oh, pull down the white flag you've been waving. Oh, the word is today, hold on to that towel. Don't throw it in just yet. Call to God one more time. Friend, lest you forget, let me remind you that the drought was not broken and the rain did not start to fall for Elijah the first time that he prayed nor the second, nor the third, nor the fourth, nor the fifth, but the seventh time he prayed for rain, brought forth a deluge. Oh, lest you forget this morning, remember the walls of Jericho did not fall for Joshua the first day that he marched around them. They didn't fall the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, and yet on the seventh day and the seventh time around, the walls fell down flat. Peter, James, and John had been fishing all night long and the Bible said they didn't even as much as have one little bitty perch on a stringer. But Jesus comes by and he convinces them to cast their net just one more time and when they cast the net one more time they caught so many fish that their net began to break. Now friend, I don't claim to have all the answers and to be frank and honest with you people that have all the answers weary me a bit. I don't claim to have all the answers this morning. I, I don't claim to understand all of the workings and, uh, and the timing of God. But I know I know one thing this morning. And that is that he is a God who can. He's a God who can. Fred, it when nobody else can. He can. Oh, when it looks like that he's uh, not going to. He can can oh when the situation seems too far gone he can how oh, when you think it's all oh, just past time and it's too late he can i'm talking about a god who can today oh you may say pastor what can he do well the answer is whatever it is that you need done he is able to do today let, let me just let me just mention three things this morning that god can do. First of all, let me suggest today that God can remove hindrances. God can remove hindrances. Now, age was certainly a hindrance to Abraham and Sarah having a baby. I mean, you know, when you're 99 years old and your bride is 89, you know when you've been on social security for 34 years, you know when you get your dinner delivered to you by meals on wheels, I mean, you're not the most prime candidate for conception. Somebody said, the problem with old age is, oh, you have finally reached those greener pastures that you have always sought after, but now you're too old to climb the fence. Age was definitely a hindrance to Abraham and Sarah and their desire for a child. But friend, God said to Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything that God is unable to do? And God said to Abraham, I'm going to be back to see you in nine months and Sarah will have a son. Friend, God can remove hindrances. What is hindering you today? What is hindering you? What is in your way today? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a person. Perhaps you could excel at work if it wasn't for that one certain individual they seem to have it in for you and oh they seem to always somehow be a, be able to sabotage and, and block every single promotion that you have applied for friend I want to tell you that God can remove uh, amen the hindrance amen God can remove that person uh, oh that is standing in your way that person that is in that position that is blocking you and keeping you uh, from excelling and being what God wants you for to be God is able to remove them and God is able to put somebody in their place that you have favor with. Friend, I've prayed people out of positions before. I remember before I went to Midland to start Harvest Time Church, there was a certain uh, uh, man that had a certain position that was over me. And I was dealing with him. And for about nine months, he caused me all kinds of pain and havoc. And I didn't know what in the world was going to happen and what in the world it was going to be like to work with this man. And so for every single day, for nine months, I prayed that God would remove him. And the month I moved to Midland, Texas, he resigned his position. I'm talking about a God who can this morning. He can remove hindrances. uh, How he can remove those things that are standing in your way. Those things that are blocking you from the blessing of God and all that God wants to do in your life. What's hindering you this morning? Maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Oh, it could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be pornography. Uh, people are not too uh, don 't mind too much when the preacher preaches on that. It could be food. it could be anger it could be a negative attitude. <laughs> Something has a death grip on your life and will not turn loose. You have battled this thing for years and try as you may. You just cannot get total freedom from it all. You seem to get it under control and you think you've got it whipped and you think you've got it conquered and you do for a week or two or maybe a month or two and yet before you know it, it pops back up again and it drags you down and it takes other people down with you. It is ruined or had a negative effect on everything and everyone around you. You hear this preacher of truth today. God is a God who can. He's a God who can. He can break this addiction today. He can deliver you and set you free from your bondage. God can give you victory over any and all things that are hindering you today. Is there anything too hard for God? God is a God who can. Not only can he remove hindrances, but my God can raise the dead. Ah, oh, friend, it is never too late for God. It is never too late for God. Jesus raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead right in the middle of the funeral procession. Oh, Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 15 tells us so. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead four days after he had been placed in the tomb. They'd already had the funeral. They'd already had the mourners. They'd already eaten the uh, the fried chicken and the potato salad. Four days have already gone by. How oh, before Jesus comes by. But is there anything too hard for God? God is a God who can. He can raise the dead. He, he can raise a dead marriage. Mm-hmm. You see, someone here today is in a lifeless marriage. Someone here today, your marriage has died. And it has been dead so long, it is like Lazarus was, it has begun to stink. (laughs) Friend, if your marriage has died, I want to admonish you to do three things this morning. First of all, I want you to remember before I give you those three things that God never does it all. God never does it all. He always requires us to be involved in the miracle. Read the miracles of Jesus. Read the miracles of the Old Testament. God always involves people in the miracle. He never does it all by Himself. In the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, Mary and Martha, His sisters were involved. Jesus said to them, roll away the stone. Well, he's been dead four days. They, oh, they didn't have our modern ways of preserving the dead. Oh, he's already decaying. His flesh has already begun to rot. His body is producing a very foul odor by now. But Jesus says to them, roll away the stone. Friend, if your marriage is resurrected, if life returns where death has been, you will be involved in the process see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is we're Pentecostal. Problem is we're charismatic, Pentecostal, full gospel, whatever label you want to put on us. And, you know, we want everything to be solved with a couple of Shandai's and a couple of drops of olive oil on our forehead. We want some miracle worker to... Fix us in two minutes. It's taken us 30 years to get this way, but we want him to fix us in two minutes. We want to fall down when he prays for it and get up all better. Seldom does it work that way. Amen? Seldom does it work that way. Jesus says to us, roll away the stone. Or in other words, here's your part to play. You do what you can do and I will do what you can. Friend, if your marriage has died, let me admonish you to do three things this morning. Let me give you a little quick marriage seminar. I know we have them every once in a while. It's because we need them. So let me take about five minutes and give you a little marriage seminar this morning. If your marriage has died, let me help you resurrect that marriage from the dead. And the three things you need to do, the first thing you need to do this morning is you need to offer your spouse unconditional love. If your marriage is going to be resurrected from the dead, You're going to have to offer your spouse unconditional love. You say, but pastor, they don't deserve my love right now. No, and you don't deserve God's love either and yet He offers it to you unconditionally. Friend, love is a decision that you make, not an emotion that you feel. Love is... A decision that you make, not an emotion that you feel. So here's my advice this morning. Start acting towards your mate like you are madly in love with them. And friend, if you will begin to treat them and act towards them like you are madly in love with them, the feelings that you once had for them will return. They'll come back. Second thing you need to do if you're going to raise your marriage from the dead this morning, overlook your spouse's faults. Overlook your spouse's faults You did when you were dating. You did when you were dating them, but when you were dating them, you thought, I'll change them. How oh, Once I get them down the aisle, once I get the ring on their finger, once I, once I have them hooked, once I get them married, once I am their spouse, I will change that part about them. All oh, that I don't like. Sorry. Oh, they're going to change alright. But it's not going to be for the better. They've been on their best behavior. (laughs) Let me tell you something this morning. People change very little. (laughs) I was at a a meeting somewhere a few months ago and the speaker was speaking and he said that God changes people, but not very much. And it's true. It's true. Amen. Oh, oh, even God changes people very, very little. You see, I've said it a thousand times, but it bears repeating. The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what is what they have done. How are they going to act in the future? Like they act in the past. What are they going to do in the future? What they did in the past. What decisions are they going to make in the future? Probably a whole lot like the ones they've made in the past. The greatest indicator of what a person will do is what they already have done. Celebrate their good points and overlook their faults. Now let me just take a moment and give you a little side note to this part of the message. You see, there's never enough time to say all that I want to say. I would like to clarify every single statement that I make and take 15 minutes to talk about the clarification, but there's just not time to do that. So let me just take a moment and say, I'm not talking about abuse here. i not talking about abuse. Not, when I'm talking about overlooking your spouse's faults, I'm not talking about abuse. I don't believe that anybody ought to live in an abusive situation. Amen. 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 I'm not talking about abuse. If you're being abused, I'm not talking about working that thing out. Hey, Amen. My advice to you is to use get out. Amen. Three things you ought to do if your marriage has died. Number one, you need to offer unconditional love. Number two, you need to overlook faults. And number three this morning, you need to overflow your spouse's need tank. Overflow your spouse's need tank. You see, every, every man, every husband has his needs. And every woman, every wife has her needs. And they are not the same. The biggest problem in marriage today is... I think my wife's needs are the same as mine. She thinks my needs are the same as hers. No. I don't think that anymore because I've had good teaching on it and done some pretty good teaching about it myself. But, but every, every husband has his needs. Every wife has her needs. And they are miles apart. Through careful and diligent study, Researchers have determined the five most critical needs of a husband and the five most critical needs of the wife. Now, I've given these to you before, but they are so important and they are so critical to a successful marriage that I've got to keep pounding and i got to keep giving them to you over and over and over. And there's a host of people that will be here in this service today in both services that have never heard these things, so they definitely need to hear them. So let me just list them. I'd like to take an hour this morning, but I don't have time. Let me take about five minutes and just list them and make a few brief comments. We're talking about the God who came this morning. My God is able, amen, to raise the dead. He can raise the dead in marriage. But he's not going to do it by himself. He's going to do it through and in us. So let's look at the five basic fundamental needs of the husband. The number one is sexual fulfillment. Duh. <laughs> you knew that, didn't you, ladies? Amen. His most uh, basic need is sexual fulfillment. God said to Adam, "Be fruitful and multiply." And God chose sex as the process. Sex is God's idea. It's God's idea. Amen. God made man with a desire. God made man with a need, a physical need for sex. It's not bad. It's not ugly. It's not sinful. Uh, it's, he's, not a, he's not a dirty old man. Hey Amen. It is the way God made him, ladies. But within that, God set boundaries for sex. And God's boundaries are one man and one woman in the bonds of marriage for life. The second fundamental need of man is is recreational companionship. Now, lady, your husband might be big and burly and manly. You're manly, yeah. (laughs) You're Dr. Manly, amen. (laughs) Nobody can ever say Jeff's not manly, I'll tell you that. Hey, Your husband, he may look like a man. He may be big and burly and crusty and tough. But I want to tell you that deep inside of that big burly man is a little bitty boy that still likes to come outside and play. And he needs a wife that supports his playtime. I didn't say he shouldn't work. I didn't say he shouldn't be responsible he ought not be playing when he ought to be working, but there's still a little boy on the inside of him that says, I want to go outside and play. And if I don't get to go outside and play, I feel cheated. So understand that. See, if we'd understand each other a little bit better, we'd understand what makes us tick and understand that God made us that way. And if we would help fulfill the needs of each other, we would have a, our, our, our spouse would be more happy, more content, more fulfilled. They would do better by us. And our marriage would be better. So he needs a wife that supports and even participates in his playtime. Number three, the third need of, of a husband is an attractive spouse. He needs an attractive spouse. Listen, sweetheart, he wasn't drawn to your personality. Now, if you have a good personality, it's a bonus. I will tell you that I dated a girl one time and she was pretty, but I didn't like her personality, so I dumped her. Amen. <laughs> he wasn't drawn to your personality. If you've got a good personality, it's a bonus, but that's not what drew him to you initially. Man is visual. Ladies, you may not be able to look at age 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 like you did at age 20, but He needs you to do the best you can with what you have left. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Moving on this morning. The fourth thing your husband needs, he he needs domestic support. He needs domestic support. You are not his mama and yet he needs you to help take care of him. He can't take care of himself. He needs your help. You hear me this morning, wives. Kissing may eventually wear out, but cooking never will. The fifth thing that he needs, and it's by no means the last thing that he needs, and it's by no means the, the, the in its importance, but he needs adm- admiration. Your husband, or yes, wife, your husband needs admiration. He needs you to be in his corner. Oh, he needs you to be his number one fan. He needs you to be on his team. He needs you to be his cheerleader. He, You might be the only one that he has. So he needs you to cheer for him. He needs you not to pull him down and pick him apart and tell him everything he did wrong. He already knows that and everybody else is already telling him that. He needs you to admire him. He needs you to respect him. He needs you to beef up those areas in his life. Amen. All the men said... Amen. Let's look at the five most basic needs that the wife has. We're talking about a God who can. He can raise the dead. He can literally raise a marriage that has been dead. But he's not going to do it all by himself. He's going to expect us to do what we can do. And then he'll do what we can't. Number one. The number one most important need that a, that a wife has is affection. Not sex. Affection. She needs non-sexual hugs and touches throughout her day. Fellas, sometimes, your, your wife sometimes, they, they know what you want in the bedroom because it's the only time, you know, in the week you've ever given her a hug. She needs non-sexual hugs often throughout her day. She is an emotional being. You are practical. She is emotional. That's the way God made her and the way God made you. She needs you to call her every once in a while just to see how she's doing. Send her flowers. Remember her birthday. Remember your anniversary. Listen, friend. A card on Groundhog's Day wouldn't be too much. She needs affection. Number two, she needs conversation. Real conversation. Not just grunts and moans and groans. Intelligible words. And if she has taken care of your small kids all day long, she desperately needs some adult conversation. And she wants to tell you all about her troubles. She wants to tell you all about her problems, but she doesn't necessarily want you to tell her how to fix them. She just wants to tell you what they are. She doesn't necessarily want you to fix them for her. If she wants you to fix them for her, she will ask you to. Otherwise, just listen. The third need that the wife has, she needs honesty and openness. She needs you to tell her how you feel. We, us guys, we love this one. She wants you to tell her how you feel. She wants you to open up and let her into the deepest part of your soul. Problem is, most of us guys aren't very deep. So if you're not, make something up. (laughs) Number four, she needs financial support. She needs financial support. She needs somebody to take care of her. She needs a house. She needs nice things. She, She needs you to provide a regular, steady income. Say that with me. A regular, steady income. You see, men, men crave adventure. Women crave security. Number five, she needs family commitment. Family commitment. For men, sexy is his wife in a short ninety from Victoria's Secret. But for a woman, sexy to her is her husband reading a bedtime story and praying with her little three-year-old. For her, sexy is you helping with the dishes or running the vacuum or filling her gas tank up in her car for her sexy is you taking off work early so that you can come home and spend time with the family and take the family somewhere I, I'm talking about how to raise your marriage from the dead today God will require you to do your part before he does his part he's not going to do it all it's not going to be a couple of shandies. it's not going to be a little olive oil on your forehead it's not going to be a drop and then up and everything is well and good and perfect no 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 God says you do this you roll away the stone this is what I need need you to do. And if you'll do what I have given you to do, I'll do what you are unable to do. And your part is threefold. Offer unconditional love. Overlook faults. Overflow the need ca- need tank. We're talking about the God who can. He can this morning. He can. He can raise the dead. Oh, oh He can raise a dead marriage. Oh, oh he, he can raise a dead ministry. Friend, whether it be a personal ministry that has died or a dead ministry in the church, God can raise a dead ministry. Now let me take a moment and say this this morning. Not all ministries in the church are supposed to last forever. Somehow we think if we start some program or start some ministry that it's supposed to go on until Jesus comes. And the person that had the burden for it and the one that God breathed life into it with, they're already long gone, but somebody else came along and they thought, well, it's been going, and everybody else says, well, we've always done it that way, so we better keep on doing it, so now you've got to do it. You don't have the burden for it, but they did it. They did a good job, and you just don't want to see it go away or die or whatever, so, man, now you're doing it. And they do it for a while, but they get discouraged because it never was their ministry. It never was. They're calling never was God using them to do it or to birth it and they're just trying to breathe life into it they do it for a while but you can't do it very long when it's not your burden so they give it up and so somebody else takes it now and now there have been two people before them and you sure don't have a burden for it but ah oh, people have put on the guilt trip on you and told you it always been that way and we got to do it that way from now on hey, amen that's not what I'm talking about today and every church has those dead ministries that are dead for a reason they had their time. Every, peop- every person is supposed to be born. They're supposed to live. And they're supposed to die. Every program in the church will have a time when it's born. God birthed it into somebody's heart. And, and it'll live. And oh, it'll be successful. and It'll do well. But there'll come a time when it'll die. And if God wants it to live on, they'll be, you know, when Moses is gone, there'll be a Joshua right there ready. And Joshua's been with Moses, and Moses was able to train uh, Joshua. There'll be an Elisha that'll be right there with Elijah, and he saw everything Elijah did, and, and it was a part of his ministry too, and those are the things that keep on keeping on. But there are ministries, and there are things in the church that were never meant to be forever. They were meant for a time, and meant for a place, and they were awesome, and they were incredible, and God used them. But now God is long through with that, and God wants to go somewhere else and do something else, or do something else in your life or in your ministry but oh no 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 somebody's put guilt on you or you felt bad about or you just feel like you're obligated no no I'm not talking about that this morning there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Just because the ministry has had its effect for many, many years, that doesn't in and of itself mean that it will be effective today. And perhaps it's run its course and it's now time to do something else. Help me understand today the message is sacred. I, oh, it should never, never, ever change. But the message, they ought to be Changing. But oh, I want to tell you this morning that God can resurrect a dead ministry. He can resurrect a dead minister. He can breathe life into a lifeless corpse and make it come back to life and live again. And maybe you're here today. Oh, oh, and once you were active in ministry, once God used you in a mighty and an incredible way. But for whatever reason, your ministry has died. I'm talking about the God who came this morning. He can breathe life into your ministry again. He can breathe life into the minister again and give them up and going and be successful for the glory of God. I'm talking about the God who can. The God who can. Friend, he can remove hindrances. He can raise the dead. And number three this morning, he can reach the unreachable. Oh, he can reach the unreachable. Maybe you have given up on somebody that you were very, very close to. And someone that you love very, very dearly, but you have given up on them ever coming to Christ. Oh, maybe maybe you've given up on yourself. Oh, you think that you have been so bad that you are beyond redemption. But let me remind you of what God said of himself. Is there anything too hard for God? God is a God who can and he can reach the unreachable. In Mark 5, it tells the story of the Gadarene possessed with 6,000 demons. Legion means 6,000. Society had given up on him. His family and friends had given up on him. Oh, he was placed among the tombs to live, but Jesus purposely came by to see him and set him free. In John 4, the story is told about the woman at the well. She was an adulteress. Oh, she came to the city well to draw her water at an hour in the day when she knew that no one else would be there. Oh, but Jesus made sure that he was there when she was. Oh, she came that day to draw natural water, but she left that day with a bucket full of living water. Luke chapter 15 tells us about the prodigal son who wasted his father's fortune in wicked and vile and prodigal living. No doubt his neighbors and friends told his father to write him off, give up on him. His own brother said that about him. Oh, but when the prodigal finally came home, his father was waiting on him with open arms of love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. I'm thinking of a man I worked for when I was 17 years old. When I was 17 years old, I was working in drywall, hanging drywall. And I worked for a man when I was 17 years old who was the most wicked, the most vile, the most vulgar man I had ever met in my life. Daily, he tried to shake my faith. Daily, he ridiculed my God. One day, my brother called him on the phone about a business situation. And my brother called him by name and said, hey, what are you doing? And this man said to my brother, I'm just sitting here praising the Lord. And my brother about dropped the phone. This man proceeded to tell my brother about his miraculous conversion. Friend, let me tell you, oh, if God can save this man, he can save anyone. Oh, I'm talking about the God who can today. Oh, there's no one that's been too bad, no one that's been too wicked, no one that's been too vile, no one that's been too ungodly, but what God can reach the unreachable. The psalmist said in Psalm 40 and 2, He brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my steps. Oh, he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise to my God. God, ask Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? God is a God who can today. And whatever you have need of this morning, whatever you need done in your life, God is a God who can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the musicians and singers would get back in place this morning, if we could have the worship team or the prayer team to get here also this morning, standing no further on the right or the left than this middle section of chairs, please. Oh, friend, I'm talking about a God who can. He can remove hindrances. Maybe there's a hindrance this morning. We need to leave room on the right and on the left, guys. Come on. Amen. Leave room on the right and on the left. Over a little more, Cindy, please. Thank you. All right, here we go. There's all right. Amen. God is a God who can. He can today. He can. Oh, when it seems like it's too late, he still can. When it seems like he's not going to, he still can. Oh, it doesn't matter. He can even raise the dead. Maybe you're here today, and you've got a. Marriage that has died. You're living in a loveless marriage today. You're living in a lifeless marriage today. Let me tell you today, God can raise the dead. Maybe you one time were used mightily and incredibly by God. God can raise that ministry. He can breathe life back into that ministry one more time and raise that ministry from the dead. I want everyone to stand to their feet this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed just for a couple of minutes today. No one looking about. Nobody leaving. Unless you have a crying baby and then we'd appreciate you taking them out so that we can hear the altar call this morning. But every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking about. Just for a couple of moments. I wonder today maybe this morning you do not know Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Maybe you one time knew Him but for whatever reason you've You've, you've strayed, you've gone away from God, and you'd like to come back.